Hello, and welcome back to The PA Way. My name is Allison Callahan, and I will be your host. The PA Way is taking things from presentation to application. This podcast is going to stick to the really important stuff. This is the information that you need to know when you are studying for your pants, your pantry, or if you're heading to the hospital or office to see patients. Last week, we talked about the history and physical exam findings commonly seen with liver disease. This week, we are going to discuss liver serologic testing. We're going to stick to what people typically call LFTs or liver function panel. Liver serologic testing can be a little bit tricky, but let's go ahead and get started. Liver serologic testing in a patient with liver disease, even cirrhosis, may be normal. So make sure you are taking the entire presentation into consideration when trying to interpret tests of liver injury. Notice how I just said liver injury and not liver function. We often order the panel called LFTs, but it would be better referred to as a test looking for liver injury because it's not really always a true indicator of how the liver is functioning. The liver function tests or hepatic function panel often includes bilirubin, direct and indirect, alkaline phosphatase, and the transaminases. Your transaminases include your ALT and your AST. The liver panel may also include albumin, which can be used to help determine if there is some chronic liver dysfunction. The liver makes albumin, so if decreased, it may be a sign of chronic liver disease although albumin is not helpful in the setting of an acute liver injury since the half-life is 21 days. Bilirubin may also look at the function of the liver, but let's break it down, literally, into direct and indirect bilirubin. Let's talk about the indirect bilirubin first. This is a product of hemoglobin breakdown in the reticuloendothelial system as the body naturally breaks down red blood cells. Whenever you see a rise in indirect bilirubin, you could consider a process like hemolysis that is occurring outside of the liver. But these patients will also have other abnormalities in their laboratory studies, including a decreased red blood cell count, increased LDH, and an elevated reticulocyte count. Now, indirect bilirubin is not water-soluble and is carried to the liver by albumin. Once in the liver, it is conjugated by an enzyme called glucuronyl transferase. In about 5% of the general population, there is a genetic autosomal dominant condition called Gilbert's, where this enzyme is impaired. These patients will have an isolated elevation in their indirect bilirubin, but the remainder of their laboratory studies will be normal. They will also be asymptomatic, and you can reassure them that without other risk factors for liver disease, this condition is benign and does not lead to chronic liver problems. Indirect bilirubin is conjugated in the hepatocytes. Direct bilirubin is then formed and excreted from the hepatocytes into the biliary system and stored in the gallbladder as bile. Bile helps us to break down the fats in our diet. If the direct bilirubin is elevated, there are many different causes. You should consider extrahepatic cholestasis, which simply stated means that there's something blocking the flow of bile outside of the liver. Examples include cholecystitis, cholecystitis, or possibly an occult pancreatic malignancy. Diseases that cause hepatocellular injury, which just means injury to the hepatocytes, can also increase direct bilirubin. And these diseases include infectious mononucleosis, sepsis, or any other type of hepatitis. 
Alkaline phosphatase is found in hepatocytes, but is not specific to the liver. It can also be found in bone, the placenta, and intestines. To determine if an isolated elevation in the alkaline phosphatase is from liver injury, the next thing you should check is a GGT. GGT is another biliary excretory enzyme, and when elevated, it too indicates a liver injury. But if it's normal and the alkaline phosphatase is elevated, you need to look outside of the liver to one of the other potential sources. Don't forget to ask about recent orthopedic injury and previous malignancy for a possible bony source. Now let's talk about elevations in the transaminases, which include both your ALT and your AST. Now the ALT is more specific to the liver. So I want you to think AL, that L standing for liver. When it is the predominant abnormality in your liver testing, I want you to consider non-alcoholic fatty liver disease because from our previous episode, we know that that is the most common cause of liver disease in the United States. But an elevation in your ALT may also be a drug-induced liver injury or possibly related to viral hepatitis. Let's next talk about AST. When the AST is the predominant abnormality, Alcohol should be the first thing that comes to mind, especially if the AST to ALT ratio is 2 to 1 or 3 to 1. Lastly, let's talk about severe elevations. Severe elevations in your liver tests are always concerning and should prompt emergent evaluation and consultation with a liver specialist. Elevations can be seen as high as 10 to 15 times the upper limit of normal with acute viral hepatitis, drug toxicity such as an acetaminophen overdose, and ischemic hepatitis. Bud Chiari, otherwise described as hepatic venous thrombosis, can present with severe elevations in the classic triad of right upper quadrant abdominal pain, hepatomegaly, and ascites. Now that we've gone over the individual tests that are found on a liver function or hepatic function panel, I would like to use the information we discussed and apply it to some Rush Review questions. A 42-year-old man presents the emergency department with nausea, vomiting, right upper quadrant, abdominal pain. He drinks alcohol daily. Which of the following laboratory results would be most consistent with alcoholic hepatitis? A, an alkaline phosphatase of 350 units per liter, an AST of 1,000 units per liter, and an ALT of 1,200 units per liter, an AST of 250 units per liter, and an ALT of 120 units per liter, or D, a mean corpuscular volume of 60 femtoliters. The answer is... C, an AST of 250 units per liter and an ALT of 120 units per liter. In alcohol-induced liver injury, liver transaminases, including the ALT and AST, are typically elevated anywhere between 2 to 10 times normal. Unlike hepatitis due to other causes, AST is the predominant elevation with alcohol-induced liver injury, often with an AST to ALT ratio of 2 to 1 or 3 to 1. Okay, let's do one last question. A 56-year-old male without significant past medical history returns to the office for a follow-up on abnormal laboratory studies. He has an indirect hyperbilirubinemia, but the remainder of his laboratory studies are normal, including a CBC and reticulocyte count. 
What is the most likely cause of his isolated elevation in indirect bilirubin? A. Hemolysis. B. An occult pancreatic malignancy. C. Gilbert's disease. Or D. Viral hepatitis. The answer is C. Gilbert's disease. As we discussed, Gilbert's disease is a condition that can cause an isolated hyperbilirubinemia without other significant laboratory studies. The indirect hyperbilirubinemia is secondary to impairment of the enzyme glucuronal transferase that allows the liver to convert indirect bilirubin to direct bilirubin. That concludes episode number two of The PA Way. We took liver serologic testing from presentation to application on Roche review questions. And join me next time for our third and final discussion on liver disease. My name is Allison Callahan, and thank you for joining me for the PA Way. I would like to hear your feedback and suggestions, or even a comment on today's episode. Email me at allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N, at rochereview.com. 